right, King of Kings family, welcome. So happy you're here tonight. Shana Tova. It means Happy New Year to you all. And we are blessed. What a blessed community we are. What a family. Thank you, Pastor Wayne, for leading us through the Seudat Adon. Thank you, worship team also. Listen, we had a little bit of a breakout. Wanted to be careful I didn't say breakthrough. It was a breakout of the corona thing happening this week, and we are grateful for the, the surviving worship team members. <laughs> that little breakout also hit our camera crew, our production crew, and so we are grateful. So welcome. We're glad you're here. You look wonderful today. You look like you have recovered from your late night with New Year's. Hopefully all your partying is behind you. And we welcome everybody watching online tonight, Kings Community Live, Facebook Live, around the world, YouTube, everybody who's watching, welcome to Jerusalem and King of Kings. We're happy you're with us. You know, it's also flu season right now, and the flu is breaking out here in Israel. And a lot of people, the report came today that a lot of people are getting both the flu and the coronavirus because they're two different viruses. They're calling it Florona. That's real. I read that. Today, that wasn't my joke, unless you liked it. <laughs> Florona. Please be safe, be healthy. You're welcome to come whenever you're ready to be with us here at King of Kings. Listen, what we want to do tonight is we want to continue in our perspectives series for the new year, but we also want to use tonight as a a time to paint the picture of what God has called us to do. Now, to some of you, you, might have, you may have heard a few of these words before. If you're new to the congregation, I think it's very important that you hear us tonight so that you understand not only what we do, but why we do it. It's very important to, to see this picture, and we're going to glean these things straight from the Scriptures tonight. That's one of the things we want you to understand about our congregation is that we do things on purpose for a reason with intentionality. And when we come to a, an understanding of why we're about to do something, we go to the scriptures. We build it from the scriptures. I've always told our team, I want to be able to defend everything we do from the scriptures. So hopefully you'll be able to follow along tonight with some of these ideas. If you have your Bibles, get ahead of me in Numbers chapter 2. Numbers chapter 2. 2022, we, we know that God has big plans for us, but it's not as if God didn't do some amazing things in 2021. See, that's, that's where you want to be careful, and you want to make sure God gets all of the glory he deserves because he did some amazing things. Do you know in the King of Kings Connected Congregations, just between August and November, just between those two parts of the year, we immersed over 30 new believers in water at the Jordan River. Can you believe that? That's God at work. Did you know in 2021, we fed the full amount of people at the Manna Soup Kitchen? We never stopped the entire year. The numbers never went down. We never slowed down serving the poor in Jerusalem. Did you know that through the King's Kindness Distribution Center, we served more families 
in 2021 and then years past. Did you understand that in the Anchor of Hope Counseling Center, both here in Jerusalem and in Tel Aviv, we saw more clients in 2021 than any other year in our history? God is doing some amazing things regardless of what Corona is doing. Don't let the enemy get you sidetracked on what the enemy's doing. Keep your eye focused on what Yeshua is doing. In these latter days, as things start to shake harder and harder, it will become even more important that you know exactly what you are holding on to. And this is why I want to bring clarity to you tonight. Things are going to get harder, not better. You say, oh, Pastor Chad, 2022, it's got to be easier. No, wrong. That is not what the Bible says. It will be better. It's going to be better because God's going to continue to do even more th amazing things ahead of us. But darkness is going to grow. Suffering's going to grow. Governments of the world are going to try to take more control. They've already shown the cards they're going to play. We know what they're trying to do. But God is going to do some even more amazing things. We're going to start living in the age that Yeshua promised us when he said, you will do greater things than I did. What if that starts now? That's a bus I want to be on. We learned some new things this past year. We connected with some new community groups. We put community groups online. So for people around the world, you're welcome. Hopefully that helped you guys. There's a community group tonight after service online at seven o'clock. Joanna will be hosting it. We learn how to do a hybrid situation in our discipleship classes. That means starting February 2nd, we will be having our discipleship classes in person and online at the same time. We took some new territory there. So the Lord is at work doing some great things. But as the world shakes harder and harder, you better know what you're anchored to and why you're holding on to it. There's a confidence that the Holy Spirit wants you to have tonight, and I don't want you to leave here until you have that confidence. I'm going to start tonight with the nation of Israel, that God brought Israel out of Egypt through the desert and gave us some incredible lessons through them that we can grab a hold of. When God delivered the people of Israel from Egypt, he established them as a brand new nation. The nation that he had promised Abraham was now coming to pass. This nation had a leader. Its leader was God. It had a constitution, which is the Torah and the Book of the Covenant. They had laws that were very clearly written out for the country. The commandments included judicial law, agricultural law, ceremonial law, and much more. This new nation of Israel had a national leadership team. Moses, Aaron, Miriam, the priests, the Levites. It had subdivided local leadership teams like the tribes and the tribal leaders and the elders, the leaders of the clans and the families. It had religious order of worship. It had the tabernacle and its practices, the sacrificial laws and more. It had new holidays that God invented for them which we now partake of. It gave us a yearly cycle. It gave us high points, connecting points, anchor points. 
God gave us the Sabbath to give us a work week with definition that we would understand when to work, when to take rest. The world had never seen these things before. They had never seen the holidays of the Lord. They had never heard of the Sabbath day. They would never seen the laws that were written in the constitution of the Torah. God gave us our own food groups. Food to eat, food to not eat, food that was good for you, food that wasn't good for you, what kind of animals to sacrifice, what kind of animals to cook. Amen. He gave us kosher laws. The world hadn't seen that. Israel was headed toward the vision of the promised land. You see, God made sure it started with vision that there was a nation ahead of them, there was a peoplehood, there was a land ahead of them, and there was a destiny ahead of them. Vision became first. And then all of the structure started to be filled in around that vision. Part of this vision, even while Israel was still in the desert, friends, was the tabernacle. The tabernacle provided structure, an anchor point for the vision of God for his people. And it started long before they entered the nation of Israel on the land. The vision had already been given. The structure had already been explained. The tabernacle was already in practice while they were still in the desert. Let's go to the main text tonight, Numbers chapter two, first two verses. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, the Israelites are to camp around the tent of meeting some distance from it, each of them under their standard and holding the banners of their family. You see, all the tribes of Israel would camp around the tent of meeting, which later became the tabernacle. We might have a couple of, of images. Let's see, do we have the images of the tabernacle? We pulled a couple of them. You see, this is a kind of a modern image of what the tabernacle might have looked like. You can go see this in Timna Park. You know, it, it doesn't have the flash and the fanciness of what came later in the temple. But this is, this is so Yeshua-like, the carpenter who had calluses on his hands. You know what I mean? Like the one who wasn't beautiful, Isaiah says, that no one would look at his beauty. The, the tabernacle reflects a lot of Isaiah's description of Yeshua, but the tabernacle became the center of Israeli life. Go to the next one so that you can see that it was built as the center with all of the tribes having a designated place around the tabernacle. It was very important that everyone knew they were part of this family and you had an important part and you had a designated part, but it was an equal part. Do you know everyone could equally get to the tabernacle? Everybody was about the same distance away from it. Everybody's representation could participate in it. This is a great picture for us in the new covenant body of Messiah, that we are all part of this family centered around Yeshua. We may be in a little bit different tribes, but we all have the same access to Yeshua. And this was the center of life for the Israelites, even when they were still in the desert. There was a time that the tent of meeting wasn't yet the tabernacle. You know that, right, from the text. Look in Exodus 33, 7 and 8. I'll read it for you. It says, Now Moses used to take a tent and pitch it outside the camp some distance away. 
calling it the tent of meeting. And anyone inquiring of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. And whenever Moses went out to the tent, all of the people rose and stood at the entrances of their tents, watching Moses until he entered the tent. And as Moses went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance while the Lord spoke to Moses. Whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, they all stood and worshiped, each at the entrance of their own tent. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Then Moses would return to the camp, but his young aide Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. You see, even before the structure had taken its shape, like the image we showed you, tabernacle in the middle, all of the tribes around it equidistant, before the structure took shape, the vision was already there. That Moses would go to a designated place to meet with God. And the people of Israel would pay attention because every time he came out of that tent of meeting, he had learned something new of God's revelation and he would share it with the people. They saw the vision. God already had the vision in front of them. Later, we find out that the specifics for the tabernacle are given. The tabernacle is built, but they had already had the vision in action. By the time the tabernacle is right in the center of the camp, it first started as a small tent of meeting outside the camp, and later it became the center of their life. There was great order in Israel. There was structure. There was specifics to this new nation. The Sabbath, kosher laws, holidays, commandments, the setting up of the tabernacle, where the tribes would go, where they would set their tents up, the order that the tribes would march when they moved, the articles of the tabernacle that would be created, how to sacrifice, what to sacrifice, when to sacrifice, when to worship, how to worship. It was very orderly in Israel. Which is the strange thing about living in Israel today. I am so happy, family, that you got that joke. I am, my heart is full that you got it. People watching online, as soon as Corona's over and you get a chance to come here, you'll see. I encourage you, get a bus pass, check it out. Go to the MOI, see what that's like. You might enjoy that. Post office, maybe. It's a couple of, couple of key spots you want to hit to get that experience. Maybe try to stand in line and get some meat at the... See how that works out for you. You really get the experience. You'd think it would be easy to give numbers and take numbers and stand in line. Okay, no, it's, it's you know. In ancient Israel, they stood in line. No, that's not part of my text. I just, I went off to the side. It was orderly in Israel. God had given them vision and he gave them structure that followed that vision. It was good for Israel because Israel was a young nation. They needed some boundaries. They needed some guidance. They needed to know where to go and what to do. But God did not design the structure first and then build the religious components around it. But rather, our first key phrase tonight, God gave the vision and the mission. And it was the vision and the mission that drives the structure and the plan. 
And I wanted you to hear me say that because as we get into the vision and mission of King of Kings community, we want you to understand that that drives first, then the structure and the plan comes because of that vision and mission. Now, this should be true, hopefully, of every congregation, every organization, every business that the vision and the mission drives and the structure and the plan is built around it. When this gets out of whack, Yeshua was very faithful to help the people remember the order. Mark chapter 2, 27. Then Yeshua said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. You see, they had started to think that the structure was the driving force. And he said, no, 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 it's, it's the principle of the mission. I want you to have a day of rest. I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. Sabbath does not drive. It is a gift to you. Same thing of the laws of God. They are a gift to us. God clearly had vision for Israel and it drove the creation of this structure. So what was God's plan for Israel exactly? If, is Israel, if Israel had a mission statement or a mission paragraph, what would that be? Well, God's plan for Israel was to be a chosen people who would be a light to the world. They would receive the revelations of God before everyone else. And then they would be interested to not only deliver that message, but to live out that message in front of others as an example nation. They were to be a priestly nation for other nations, guiding them in how to obey and worship God. Israel was supposed to set the moral standard for the world by serving one another, loving others more than themselves, being kind to the stranger and the sojourner, loving their enemies when that was unheard of, welcoming those without families into their families, and welcoming the foreigner into the commonwealth of Israel. This is what they were called to do. This was going to be different than every other nation on earth. This was the mission statement of Israel. And the patterns kept following in a consistent way that all new important revelations came from heaven to Israel and from Israel to the world. It always came to Israel first. The prophets got their word of the Lord. The law from heaven to Israel, Israel to the world. The idea of a Messiah, Israel got that first. Then the birth of the Messiah came to Israel first, and then he was released to the world. The Holy Spirit, Jerusalem first, Israel first, then to the rest of the world. The new covenant, John's revelation. We can go on and on in every major revelation found in the Bible or throughout our history. The revelation order is from heaven to Israel and then Israel to the world. That was their mission statement. They were to be an example priestly nation for all other nations. It was a nation with a vision to prophetically reflect the blessings under God's leadership and what the future was going to be like. The structure and the laws of Israel are set in place to accomplish this very vision. The tabernacle placement is another component of vision driving structure, where God is at the center of your life. Meeting with God is a daily experience, and it's equally accessible to everyone. That's the prophetic imagery of the tabernacle being in the middle. Everyone was invited 
And everyone was expected to participate in worship, in sacrifices, tithes, and offering, and serving. And can we just say that as a King of Kings family? That's something we hold to be true as well. We don't believe in our doctrinal or our theological components or our core values that King of Kings community is supposed to be a place where you come and watch. That is the opposite of why we exist. Please don't come to watch. We are not here to impress you on Sundays. We are here to help you on Mondays. You are supposed to be participating in the work of the Lord, contributing to the building of the kingdom, helping touch others who do not yet know this blessing. And we are supposed to do it together because we are not as good without you. All of our giftings work together. There is supposed to be an expectation of contribution in the family of God, and that is a king of kings vision. It may be true that every tribe had their own different vantage point. Let's call it a perspective because we're in the perspective series. And that different perspective gave them unique revelation. But it was all toward one goal. Tell the world that their loving creator father had made a way to come back into his presence. That was the Israeli mission statement. Now here at King of Kings Community, we have a mission statement. King of Kings Community is called to be a compelling, Messiah-centered, spirit-empowered, disciple-making community that reveals the true face of Yeshua to Israel and the nations. You can find that on our website. You can find it in just about all of our material. It's in our first encounters class. When we have our community group leaders dinners and training, I always ask them to recite that. How many vision points can they remember? This is the vision of the congregation. And it's this mission and vision that drives our structure and it drives our plan that the Messiah will be at the center of every single thing we do. It says Messiah-centered for a reason. He will be the center of everything we do. And if we can't explain why we do what we do with Yeshua at the middle, then we're not going to do it. You say, where did you come up with that idea or that concept? Well, straight from the Lord himself, John 5, 39 You study the scriptures diligently because you think in them you have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me. There is not one verse in the Bible that is not meant to center on Yeshua. They were all meant to get our attention focused on him because through the work of God, Yeshua, we have eternal life. We are spirit-empowered. What does this mean? It means... We will only expect to have fruit if we seek and follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. I want to make sure you understand something tonight. It was never God's intention that we become believers in Messiah Yeshua and go share that with the world without the power of the Holy Spirit living and working through us. It was never the expectation. It was never the expectation that we would learn the theology well enough and the doctrine good enough and how to preach the gospel so clearly that we could do it on our own. That was never the expectation. 
The expectation was, take this word, this testimony of what I've done in your life, take the power that I gave you in the Holy Spirit, and go do miracles in front of people so they will listen to your message. That was the expectation. When we say we are Holy Spirit empowered, that's what we mean. We want to live in and flow in the move of the Spirit. I want to say a special thank you to Liz tonight for bringing the word of the Lord spontaneously through her gifting. And notice, even though Liz's words were not planned in the service, we stopped and made room for it. Because we are spirit empowered. We don't want to try to have a beautiful service and somehow tell the Holy Spirit, no, we, we, you know, listen, Ruach, Holy Spirit, you stay out in the lobby. We got it. I mean, we're really going to nail it in here. You stay over there. We don't need you tonight. Pastor Ray and Thais, they're just going to nail it up front. I mean, the songs are about to do. It is so polished. Pastor Wayne's about to lead us through the Lord's Supper. No, I'm not, you know, Holy Spirit, I know you've got some good thoughts, but I mean, he is going to hit this on the head. We never want to be in that mindset that we have it so well figured out that we tell the Holy Spirit, nah, don't need you tonight. We're going to do our best to be prepared. We're going to do our best to bring excellence because the king is worthy of our excellence. But any time our leadership senses at all the Holy Spirit is stepping in, we stop. Because can I just remind all of us tonight, the whole reason we're here is to meet with him? That's the whole reason. It's not the, you're not here to hear me. Praise God. You're here to hear him through me. You're here to connect with him through the worship. You're here to hear the words from heaven through the parasha. That's why we're spirit empowered. Acts chapter one, verse eight, a promise. But you believers, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. You will, not a maybe, not a might happen, not a cross your fingers and hope it works. This is, if you said yes to Yeshua, you get the power. It's a promise. That's why it's in our mission statement. We believe in the giftings and the callings of the Holy Spirit. We believe every person in the congregation is full of gifting. What our job is to do is to find it, to understand it, and to try to make room for it. That's what we try to do as leaders, to empower all of you to the works of ministry and to the mutual edification of the whole body. 1 Corinthians 14, 12. So with yourselves, since you are eager for manifestations of the Spirit, strive to excel in building up the congregation. These are giftings that must all be identified and used to the best of our ability. We are a disciple-making community, whether that means one-on-one, -on -one, in small groups, or in our intensive discipleship class semesters. It comes straight from, as Pastor Wayne read, the Great Commission. We are called to preach the gospel, make disciples, and teach the truth. And I always love to add this little piece and if I offend you, that is not my intention. How can you know how to make disciples if you yourself have never been made a disciple? 
You won't even know how to do it. So my encouragement to all of us is find someone to glean from that they can disciple you. I don't care what your age is or what your experience is. I promise you somebody's ahead of you. I had to learn that in athletics, right? Doesn't matter how good you think you are, how strong or how fast you think you are, I promise there's somebody stronger and faster than you. The same thing is true in spiritual life. Find someone who's a, one more step down the road than you are and learn from them. Become a disciple so that you know how to make disciples. And we reveal the true face of Yeshua to Israel and the nations. That's the Jewish roots of our faith. We live in Israel and we will present Yeshua as the Jewish Messiah. We will embrace the Messianic Jewish context and aspects of the Bible and in Yeshua's life and in the life of the disciples. Our mission statement drives our structure and our plan. We do what we do because of the vision that God gave us. Our second key phrase tonight, we are married to the message, not the method. You see, the structure and the plan, sometimes they change. The message never does. The mission and the vision never does. That mission statement has been the same mission statement for my entire time here at, at King of Kings. I didn't even write that mission statement. Pastor Wayne wrote that mission statement. And we do everything in structure and plan to follow that mission statement. Now, how we do the structure and the plan may change, right? The message does not change. Israel had a tabernacle in the wilderness, but before they had their tabernacle in the wilderness, they had a tent of meeting. And after the tabernacle, then they picked up and they left and they went to Israel. And after that, they had a temple. You see, the method changed a little bit, but what never changed was that Yeshua was the center, God was the center, the temple tabernacle meeting with God was the center of their life because the mission never changed, even though the method did. Here at King of Kings Community Jerusalem, even our leadership structure is based on Scripture, to the best of our knowledge, based on Scripture. We are led by a team of elders. Why? Because the Bible teaches us that congregations are led by a team of elders. Look at how many times the word elder is used in the New Testament and how many times that word is plural. We do not believe in the super pastor. We do not believe Superman is the Messiah. We believe in the team of leadership. Yes, that team has a leader in that team, but we believe in the multitude of counsel, therefore we have a team of elders. We have a team of deacons. Most of them are here tonight. And why do we have deacons? Again, we defend it from the scripture because the Bible taught us to select deacons from the congregation who can do the works of ministry along with us. And we have wonderful, amazing teams of deacons here. The Mitchell family, the Kings, the Goffs, Vivian. They do such a great job. Because, why? Because the mission drove the structure. There are servants, there are directors and coordinators, all of these things. Now, we also connect to a larger apostolic body 
Because in the Bible, the congregations were not islands to themselves. They connected to the apostolic gifted groups. And so do we here at King of Kings Community. We connect with a network called King of Kings Ministries. Led by a team that we call the executive team. It is a group of gentlemen who have long experience and success in leading both congregations and paraministries, and in some cases, even businesses, until they've shown an, a long history of fruitfulness in ministry, and they learn to lead others, and they have the ability to impart to others. Not just lead well, but impart leadership to others. So King of Kings Community Jerusalem, which is where you are tonight, is connected to a larger family of ministries, a network called King of Kings Ministries, the apostolic team. Why do we do that? Because we read it in the Bible. Paul did it. Barnabas did it. Peter did it. James did it. Silas, Titus, Timothy, they all connected back to the apostolic, even though they were great pastors on their own. They connected to the greater apostolic movement of God. We believe in community groups. Call them whatever you want. We call them community groups because our congregation name is King of Kings Community. It was cute. Call them whatever you want. A small group, a home group, a cell group, a life group. I've heard about every variation of that. What it means is get together in a group that's pretty small. That's what it means. Because when we're in this setting, as important as this setting is, this is a presentation setting. But there's another side of the coin that you also need to experience in the kingdom, and that is the participation setting. Bringing your gifts, bringing your psalms and your hymns and your praises and your intercession, that needs to happen. And it happens in the small groups. Acts 2.46, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts then they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Yes, we participate in larger events together, national level events, network wide events, but also local events here in Jerusalem, weekly corporate worship gatherings and the small groups. We serve one another in our community, not just in the kingdom, but even to the unbelievers through the manna kitchen. If you haven't found a place to serve the unbeliever, join us on Mondays and Wednesdays when we serve at the Manna Kitchen, hot kosher meals. We serve through the Anchor of Hope Counseling Center. We serve through King of Kings Kindness Distribution Center, which is only one of three different distribution centers connected in the King of Kings family. We serve the new Olim, the new immigrants, through the Redeemed in Zion ministry that Pastor Vaco leads. We help with benevolence whenever we can to our members. And all of this is bathed in prayer, which is why we opened the summit, the prayer tower on the 14th floor. From Isaiah 56, gives us one of our marching orders. And foreigners who bind themselves to the Lord to minister to him, to love the name of the Lord, and to be his servants, all who keep the Sabbath without desecrating it, and who hold fast to my covenant, these I will bring to my holy mountain, and I will give them joy in my house of prayer." Their burnt offerings and sacrifices will be accepted on my altar, for my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. Please join us at the summit. If you've never taken a prayer hour, join us at the summit. Whatever day of the week, join us at the summit. We even use the imagery that our prayer 
is the engine that makes everything else run. It is the heart that beats and pumps the blood into all the other ministry campuses. Without prayer, none of this would be possible. We have a wonderful prayer director, Ann Hilsden, is doing an amazing job. Let me just close with a few thoughts here. Just like Israel had a vision and mission that drove the structure and the plan of God to be an example and priestly nation to the world, we want to be driven by a mission statement. Yes, we have the global body of Messiah mission statement called the Great Commission. We should all be doing that. And yet here at King of Kings, we have a unique sub-mission, Right? to be a compelling, Messiah-centered, spirit-empowered, disciple-making community that reveals the true face of Yeshua to Israel and the nations. And if you want to be part of everything I've talked about tonight, I'm inviting you. Be part of that with us. You say, well, how do I do it? Well, become a member of King of Kings if you want. Do we have official membership? Yes, we do. Do you have to be a member to worship with us? No, you don't. There are some things the members get to do that others don't get to do, like leadership, certain training opportunities, certain ministry opportunities that, yes, you're gonna have to be a member and catch our DNA at a deeper level of submission and partnership. But you don't have to be a member to go to our small groups or to go to the prayer tower or to serve in the soup kitchen or to come worship on Sundays. But if you'd like to take that step, just see one of our ushers. They'll tell you how to do it. We get a question a lot of times from our online audience, we're so faithful to watch and to be part of everything you do from Sundays to small groups to discipleship. Can we be members? You might be asking online. Can we be members? And I want to be very careful in answering this question. Membership is predominantly meant for us here in Jerusalem. However, if you have no other opportunity where you live, then email us. We will consider that relationship with you. But our Encouragement is really to be a member at your local congregation, submitted to a local eldership, tithing at a local congregation so that you can truly be part of the body of Messiah. Do that first. And if there's no other possible option, then let us know. I summarize. Worship team, you can come out. In order to accomplish our preaching the gospel correctly with effective fruit to bring into the family new believers, to accomplish making disciples, we must have a strong move and leading of the Holy Spirit. We must bathe everything in prayer. We must stick to the mission statement. We must be committed to the authority of Scripture because God has given us the protection to stay under. The gates of hell will never prevail against God's congregation. That was a promise. And if you want to take hold of a promise of a guaranteed success, then do things God's way. And he promises success. That's all we're trying to do. If you feel like we're doing something as an eldership team that is out of line with the scriptures and you're a member of the congregation, I invite you to let us know. Because we only want to hold on to things that are anchored in the word of God because the world is about to shake harder and harder. And we want to be confident in the things we hold on to. And finally, the Bible says that 
We should never forsake the meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but rather grow closer together all the more as the end of the age approaches. So for those of us in the house, I'm so happy you're here. For those of us that are considering how to connect, how often to connect, can I just say this? According to the new covenant, if you can take it as a commandment, this would be the commandment. Not only consistently connect with the local congregation, but increase your connection as the end of the age approaches. Because you're going to need it. You're going to need us, and we're going to need you. That's how we're going to make it through and have another incredible year ahead of us. Because God does not stop working because of Corona. He doesn't stop working because of government's decisions. He doesn't stop working and building his kingdom just because his gospel is unpopular. If you want to do greater things than even we saw Yeshua do, be part of what we're doing and get on this bus. In these days, the kingdom of God needs to grow. And yet, in order to have true community life, you have to connect in small groups. So we need to get bigger and smaller all at the same time. Bigger because people need to know Yeshua. Smaller because we need one another. Okay, let's commit to that. We're going to need to get bigger and smaller all at the same time. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word and the example of Israel. We take it on this Vision Sunday to have this perspective today. To bring articulation and clarity to what we're trying to accomplish this coming year, 2022. You've done great things in 2021. We want to give you all the glory for it. And yet we're expecting even greater things in the year to come. That might come with greater attack, but that's okay. We have armor, we have angels, we have a sword. We want to be doing what you're doing. Would you help us to remember the example of the tabernacle, that you are at the center of our life every day, that everyone has equal access, that you've given us the vision and the mission. You've even explained to us the structure and the plan. You've empowered us with the Holy Spirit. We can accomplish everything you've given to us to accomplish. We are more than conquerors. We are co-heirs with the Messiah, Yeshua. And we will not be defeated. Thank you, Lord, for this congregation and what it stands for here in the heart of Jerusalem. Even as we connect to our local community, and to those in the world. And help everyone to feel welcome to be part of what we're doing. Using us together in the body. In Yeshua's name. Amen.